He's going to share with us some, some exciting news about the prayer truck, which has made national open Bible news. It was really, it was in our magazine. It was at our national convention, and people asked me. I just got asked this week from someone uh, about the prayer truck. Someone from uh, Chicago called me, and they're doing ministry with us next year. And they're like, well, tell me about that prayer truck. And so this is the guy that you want to ask questions for. So he's going to share with us some things coming up. All right. Thanks, Pastor. Uh, thank you, everybody. Um, you know, f- from what's been going on with the prayer truck here over the last couple of years, we, you know, we continually get d- donations. So I want to say thank you very much to that because I know that's over and above what we already give, you know, a lot of things. And, uh, you know, sometimes it's money, sometimes it's clothes. And, but most importantly, you guys jumping in the prayer truck, is, that just is what it's all about. And uh, this week is, I really believe this week is going to be the mightiest week the prayer truck has ever seen. And um, so a friend of mine, um, Chris Lambert, he runs an organization called Life Remodeled. And he's a, he's a former pastor. Well, he's still a pastor. He just doesn't have a church anymore. He runs this organization. And, th- and he had a real heart to help people in Detroit. And so, I don't know, maybe like 10 years ago, he did a couple houses for people and just rebuilt them and then gave them to families and whatnot. And God put on his heart, it wasn't enough. You've got to think bigger, of course, right? Doesn't he always tell us that? So he went big. He put a roof on like Osborne High School, and then he put a computer lab in um, at um, Denby High School. And then God said, you're still not thinking big enough. So now he was able to um, get Durfee Middle School, which is a huge building, beautiful old building, uh, marble, and just, you know, one of those old buildings they don't make anymore, you know. He was able to get that on a $1 a year lease from the city uh, school district, and he turned it into what he calls an innovation center. And there's, like, trade schools for a lot of after-school stuff for kids. Trade schools, uh, they redid the gym. Kids can come play in the gym. There's basketball camps. There's, uh, um, there's businesses there. They're walking kids through um, and teaching them how to run a business. Like, there's a pizza shop, and, it you know, it actually runs, and then, but they hire kids from the high school, which is right next door, which is really nice. The kids just walk right over, you know. So it's really become this part of the community. And it's actually in, in central Detroit where the riots started back in 67. So it's got a lot of significance there. And uh, so this week, so every year he does a one week, he calls it a six-day project. And they clean like 400 square blocks in different areas around that area. They did the southern and west, uh, and now this year they're doing the north. And uh, I think Mike actually even helped with Quicken Loans down there last year, the year before. You know, so they get, you know, sponsors like Quicken. They'll bring in hundreds of volunteers for one day. And so there's 12,000 volunteers over those six days. And it is the coolest thing. There is the neatest buzz in the air of people doing good things and neighbors come out. So they've asked us to bring the prayer truck down there for we have for a few years. And I think Pastor Pete, you went down there for the the one a couple years ago, you and Heather. And uh, we got to meet new pastors down there, and it's just been powerful. So this week, the Lord has blessed us enough to where I'm taking the whole week off, and I'm going to be down there the whole week, and Rami's going to be down there most of the week. So it starts, actually, it starts today. So the prayer truck is scheduled for Harvest Land today. We've been asked from this Life Remodeled uh, organization to come down and pray over the neighborhood before it even starts and to pray they're having a leadership meeting today at 2. So um, they asked us to come down and pray over their leadership team and then pray over the neighborhoods. So Harvest Land gets to go down there and help do that today, whoever might want to be able to go today. Um, the thing is we have to be down there by 1.30. So we get the truck, the prayer truck, Rami's going to be here with the prayer truck, and it's, it's got to leave at like 
So after church, if you need to get something to eat or whatever, you got to do real quick. You got a little bit of time, but it's got to leave right at 1245 because we don't want to hold up their meeting, you know, at their time. So, um, but I would like to show you a little video. It's, it's pretty short and it's uh, just about life remodeling the six day project. The world's largest bounce house. I don't think I've ever seen a bounce house with a DJ, right? <laughs> That's pretty <sweet. laughs> So I just wanted to show you that one because it's, it's the fun thing that they're doing this week. So I think it's from Thursday. It's in, oh, yeah, you got a flyer hopefully today. That's about what's going on down there. So uh, if you want to jump in the prayer truck down there with us at any point um, this coming week, just call me and I can pick you up, you know, and there's directions, there's the addresses on this flyer. So, you know, you just drive down there and then I'll be down there already and we can buzz around and pick you up. Uh, even if you do it for an hour or if you do it all day, it doesn't matter. Um, I know Saturday Rita Glassford signed up and one, one of her good friends. So I don't know if anybody might want to see, you haven't seen Rita in a while, it'd be a good time to jump in uh, with her. Uh, they're very excited. She hasn't been in a prayer truck yet. Um, so the thing about Life Remodel, the bounce house is just one of the things going on. But they're, they're cleaning the streets. They're also they're doing a, a youth mentoring summer camp for K-8 through students. Then there's a basketball camp. And then uh, there's horseback riding. Like, you know, a lot of those kids down there have never seen a horse probably in their life, you know, for real. So, like, they're trying to do new things and, and, and have kids have experiences they might not ever get. So uh, in, in any way that you can come down and jump in the prayer truck, or if you want to volunteer at Life Remodel, there's, whether you're old or young, it doesn't matter because there's jobs where you can just hand out water, you know, easy stuff. And then there's, you know, people that are clearing land and doing things, boarding up houses. So there's a wide variety. And it's just, like I said, it's 2,000 volunteers a day. And it's such a cool experience to be around if you, if you can get down there. Just a lot of good people. So, uh, so the prayer truck's going to leave at 1245. Thanks. Thank you, Chris. Great opportunity. All right. I'm excited to hear great testimonies about that whole week down in Detroit. When we went, we had a blast, and it was a spectacular thing. Amen. All right. Julie, I'm excited. We're excited to hear from you. Julie's going to share just a few moments, just a, a testimony from her trip to Trinidad. And then next week, we're going to hear from Clara, who's back, as you saw her up here singing. So that's next week. So, Julie, would you come on up here and join me? And uh, I just asked her to share for a few moments this morning about some of her time in Trinidad. We prayed and we covered her in prayer. And I know God opened up many opportunities for her to minister in Trinidad with some of our open Bible friends and family. Oh, praise the Lord. <laughs> oh, 
I am so thankful to be here, and I'm really thankful for your prayers. I um, have really learned a lot about the power of intercession um, when you go out. It's uh, really needed. I can't stress that enough that you really need to be covered in prayer while you're out on the mission field. I don't care where you go, whether it's local or otherwise, you need that prayer coverage. Um, but I'm just really excited to tell you, um, as all things, when the Lord sends you out, things don't go exactly how you envision. It's usually much better. <laughs> Praise God. So um, I just want to share this morning um, that I had gone down intending that my whole thing would be all about VBS at Brock Poor 4, but uh, the Lord always has other agendas while you're there that you don't know about. So I'm just going to try and tell it as the story of how it kind of um, evolved as I went. And so this part of the story, Heather will know, because I was going down this t particular trip to spend um, my time in the home of Pastor Kendrick and Sandra. And <laughs> praise the Lord. <laughs> and I, you know, I had met them last year, but I didn't know them well. And I asked the Lord, I was, I was really praying. I even talked to Heather. I said, what, what can I take them as a gift? Um, I don't want to just go and not give them something for, you know, letting me stay in their home. And they were driving me all over the place because they live about an hour from Brockport uh, 4. So, you know, it's a lot of driving. And, um, you know, I had a little idea of a gift, but I just couldn't think of anything. But then the Lord just kept putting on my mind a certain amount of money to give them. And I thought... You know, okay, I know everybody would like to get money, but I really wanted to give them something special. But that just kept coming, so I thought, okay, Lord, I'm going to just do that in obedience. Um, and so I didn't know anything about what, they're, what they do beyond the church and what the Lord's calling them to do beyond the church. But as I'm down in Trinidad, I, I've learned there's something much more going on on that island and in the church. Um, let me summarize by saying I began to see Trinidad as an island full of missionaries. And these people um, have a mindset that they, they don't think of it as something they will do eventually. It is their life, and it's their way of life. And they are all looking for opportunity to do mission work, whether it's locally or abroad. And um, Pastor Kenrick and Sandra, they're closer to my age. So they feel that there's a time coming that eventually... They may not be full-time pastoring a church, but I learned also very quickly in Trinidad that that does not mean it's a time to retire and put your feet up. I found, um, I got called into some situations with um, elders. Um, let me get back to my first part of my story. So what happened is I gave them this funds when I first got there in obedience to the Lord. And I'll never forget the look on Sister Sandra's face. She just stood there with the money in her hand and she just stared at me. And I thought, oh, what's going on here? Why is she just staring at me? <laughs> and um, she's, then she, she quickly, she called Kenrick. She said, come here, come here. And I'm thinking, oh, what's happening now? And um, she said, you won't believe this. And she said, I didn't tell anyone, not even Kenrick. But see, Kenrick's been getting involved with other pastors and church leaders and people in the area. And they're going out beyond Trinidad into places like Panama and Guyana and other places into South America doing mission trips. And um, there's a mission trip coming up to Guyana. And Sister Sandra, she says, honestly, I'll tell you the truth. I didn't really want to go. But she said, secretly, I prayed to the Lord and I told him, if you want me to go, you have to provide for me. 
She says, but I have had this secret prayer to the Lord, and no one, not even Kenrick, knew I was praying that. I, I had told Kenrick, I'm not going because we don't have the funds, but she said, but I'll pray about it. But she didn't tell him what she was praying. She said, you handed me the exact amount of money I needed to go. Amen. Praise the Lord. So, she, so then she got really excited because she said, you know, I didn't have the heart to go, but when you put that money in my hand, she said, the Spirit of God really hit me that he wants me to go. And she goes, now I really feel led to go. Like it's not just me saying go, but I feel God calling me to go. So from there, um, beyond going to the VBS, which I'll get back to, um, because it's so far from the church to their home, I ended up involved in these meetings about South America and all this thing that's going on beyond Trinidad. And I was so impressed that we went to a man's home, and he is um, he's not just a pastor, but he's um, a leader of the church. I don't know what the official title is. It goes beyond district. He's, he's up the regional, like a regional director of the church. Uh, he's been there a long time, and they're close to their 70s. But these people are not slowing down. Uh, the whole uh, room in his home was full of other pastors, not just young people, but older pastors looking maybe close to the retirement age. These people are sitting there, and I'm just observing in the spirit. They're all planning these mission trips to South America, Panama. Uh, matter of fact, this man was getting ready. He and his wife were leaving the, like in a day or two to go to Nepal. They're going all over the world for Jesus Christ. And they are not slowing down. And I was, I was just amazed, and I'm thinking, Lord, these people, um, they're not slowing down. They're hitting the accelerator, and they're excited about it, and they're finding their own way to do missions. I, they are taking from their own pockets what, whatever it takes. They're doing it, and that's their mindset to go out. And so I'm, I'm watching this, and I'm listening to all this, and then I began to watch things around the island as, you know, maybe we'd stop off at a store or go to a different place. And I realized the church knows each other very well there. I was introduced to more pastors and leaders than I can even remember. And they all know exactly what's going on in each other's church. They know exactly what's going on in each other's area. They're really connected. And they're really tight. And so I was just kind of amazed about all this. And then I got pulled into one other meeting Again, with not young people, but older people. And again, it's all about this mission work in South America. And it was at another woman's church. And um, this man had come over from Guyana. He had been a Muslim. And he converted to Jesus. You know, he was converted. He is a saved. He's, you know, he gave his life to Christ. But he's been in ministry now a long time. He said he had to change his name from Muhammad because nobody would really, they were afraid of him. So now he goes by the name of Paul. He said, because people don't, they're afraid of me. They think I'm still Muslim. He said, but I'm not. And he began to explain the problem with the church and the things in Guyana. I had no idea that Guyana was predominantly a Muslim nation. This is the area that Pastor Kenrick and Sister Sandra are going into. Um, they know that. Um, they know they're not going to be going into some nice, big city. They're actually, I was like, oh, Lord, help them. They're actually getting in a little boat, and they're going to go down river, okay? But they're going into these Muslim places, and um, they're going to have a big uh, men's conference, and Sister Sandra told me, she said, the Lord had told me I was going to minister to women, but I didn't understand until this meeting. Um, 
the man said, and we're going to have a men's conference. And I'm sitting there thinking, I wonder what she's going to do if they're having a men's conference. And they said, but now that we know women are coming, we're having a women's conference. So, Sister Sandra, you will be leading the women. And she said, well, that's exactly what the Lord told me I was going to do. So she's really excited about that. And, um, but the Lord is making an impact into these South American countries because the Muslims have really come in. And these people really have, um, they need to be converted. But he said the church is not prepared for Muslims uh, when they do get converted because if you convert one, um, it causes a big problem for them and their families. Um, you know, even in the church, because the families will come against you and come against the people. And this man was there to say, I want to begin to educate the church. I want to begin to educate us how to manage that, because a lot of times the church wants to back away uh, because these problems have come, because they don't know how to handle this situation or even talk to people who are coming out of you know, this Muslim background. So that was just kind of this thing I'm thinking, I don't know how I got involved in this and I got to listen to all this, but I praise God for that because while I was sitting in those meetings, there was one thing the Holy Spirit said to me. And it was when I was in the, um, in their, uh, the first meeting with the regional director and all these pastors, and they're all there in agreement and going as, you know, one on these trips. And I really felt the cry of God say, send them out. And I said, what, Lord? And he said, send them out. And that's when that scripture came to me about praying to the Lord of the harvest and how the harvest is white, but that he needs laborers in his harvest. It's his harvest. And then God brought me to a scripture this last week about how we're laborers together with him. And and that's in Corinthians 1.3. But the thing that the Lord was showing me was, he said, well, if you're laborers together with me, what am I doing? What is my mission? And it still goes back to salvation. It still goes back to reconciling this world to God. And God began to even rewrite the things for me and my focus that we do, even as you were saying, we do have to put the kingdom of God first because it is first and it is everlasting. And um, now I've talked to you about the older people, but I want to tell you that everybody in the body of Christ is important. I don't care what you're doing. I don't care what your job is. I learned a very valuable lesson, uh, even about children's ministry through VBS, through what I saw last year to this year. Um, I can't tell you all the stories that I saw, but um, there was one particular boy that I saw last year, and I knew he was from... Um, let me give you a little background. This particular area that the church, Brock Porfora, is, is very uh, much Hindu, is their background. There's the Hindu religion is very strong throughout all of Trinidad, but in this area, it's really strong. And this boy was from a Hindu family, and he had been going to church. At, at, you know, I saw him last year, but he's been going to church all this time, but his whole family is Hindu. And one night, his father came in and found this boy under his blankets with his flashlight reading his Bible. Because, you know, he's obviously the only one trying to be Christian in his family. But his father came in and was so impressed. I think the Holy Spirit must have really ministered to his father. He said, son, if you want to be a Christian, go ahead and be a Christian. Well, since that night, um, at the end of this whole trip, we went to a multi-church baptism. And at their baptisms on the beach, 
everybody gives a testimony of, you know, how they got there, how Jesus saved them. Well, this family was there, the father, the mother, uh, I think a sister might have been there, and this boy came up and stood with them. And what happened is, is this whole family has been converted by the child, by the child. Amen? But, but more than that, there were other testimonies. I don't know if Clara got to hear them all, but there were more testimonies of the same thing. Children converting, bringing people to the church, converting the elders. Um, one Muslim man was like 85, and it was a young, young child that convinced him to come to church. Another one was Hindu. Uh, he'd been sick. He was, he was the grandfather of a young child, and when he was very sick, his his grandchild said, you know, come to church. Jesus, you know, he said, come to church. Anyway, he went. He got saved. And we were sitting there thinking the children are converting the elders, and they're coming. So every level in the church, God can use anyone from a small child to if you're very old. It doesn't matter. It's not time to stop. It's time to keep going forward as a church and to get on God's program because he's moving. And I saw how the Holy Spirit's moving in Trinidad. They're, they have Outpost Church they're, they're working on, they're creating, their, which is like, uh, I didn't understand that, but they're going into areas that still don't have much uh, influence with churches, and they're praying over the area, just like we were talking about with the prayer truck. They're developing churches in a home maybe, and then they're going out and witnessing and getting people to come, and it'll just be a house church for a while to try and build the area and uh, convert people. But um, when I was at the multi-church baptism, I also got introduced to many people of all ages, young and old, and that was where I really understood how mission-oriented they were. I had young people, like maybe in their 20s, um, coming to me. They're part of mission groups. They're part of organizations. I don't know if you've heard uh, till all here, but they're part of those groups, and they're going out. They're finding ways. They're going out in the world to preach the gospel, and they were looking for any door, any opportunity that they could to go out and preach the gospel, to carry uh, the word, and to do whatever God calls them to do, and they do more than that. They actually even are doing good works while they're out there. They said, when we go, we don't even come back with any money in our pocket. We, we don't just preach the gospel, what we help people to become uh, independent. Um, like you said, not just to feed them, but to teach them to fish, even for their own personal lives, um, how to uh, you know, make their own money, things like that. So I, everybody that I talked to, I was so impressed. They just talked as if, of course, missions is, that's life. I mean, it's just life. Everyone, I don't care what age they were. So I was just impressed. I felt God speaking to me. I don't know if you feel God speaking to you, but, yeah, I, I feel like there's something for everyone. Even if you can't physically go, I'm going to tell you, intercession is needed. If all you can do is pray, pray, because prayer is what clears the path. The, we need prayer like never before because they were explaining spiritual warfare down there to me. They were explaining the things that they go through. I'm going through it even trying to go back to Africa. I'm going through it, and I don't have time to get into that, but I will tell you it is warfare because we had set our heart even for Africa to go into this slum area, and I have never had such spiritual warfare ever since I set my eye on going to this slum area. But there are things at work to keep us out. There are people trying to organize there to keep us out. But the Lord said, pray, pray, and he will make a way. 
but we are determined to go in there with this gospel. We're determined to go in there with, um, by the way, I did get that, that brochure. I brought it. They, they gave me this on Trinidad, but I felt the Lord wanted me to have it. It sees the new believer's manual you were talking about to take to Africa. I need copies of this, but people need to be trained, not just learn the gospel, but they need to be discipled. And um, so there's a lot of things going on, not just here locally or in Trinidad or all over the world, but I know God has a place for each and every one. And I just would encourage you to pray and ask God, well, what's my place, God, in the body of Christ? Because even me, I feel like the most foolish vessel in the world, but it's not about us. It's about the Holy Spirit who lives in us, and we are the temple. Each one of us is the temple of the living God, and he is in us. No matter how foolish we feel or educated or uneducated or old, young, whatever, the power of God is what matters. It's him in you that matters, and he's ready to go out and do Whatever your purpose is in the body of Christ, he's ready to use you. We just each need to find our place and just ask him, be led of the spirit. He will guide you step by step into your call. And there's greater calls than even what you know right now, because the minute you step out, you can see God will take you into more things than you think you're getting ready to get into. He will take you into the things that he's doing to begin to show you different things and to connect you with people. And that's the connecting of the body of Christ. And that's what I'm so amazed at is how he can connect the body of Christ. And I don't want this church body to feel separated even from the church body and the work that's going on in Trinidad or Pakistan or Uganda or wherever. We're all one. We're all one. And God wants to make that unity. When we come into this unity, this is going to be a very powerful. This is when the Holy Spirit can move in the unity of the body of Christ. He can flow through. But when we're not in unity, it's like a broken pipe and it can't flow. But he's saying, just come into unity. Come into my purpose. Find your purpose in me and we can flow. He can flow and we will begin to see the power. We will begin to see the miracles. We will begin to see salvation come. But it's in that unity, just like it was on the day of Pentecost. It was in their unity. It was in their pair. They were there agreeing for the will of God, not just for the Holy Spirit to come, but because they were ready to do the will of God. So if we'll just prepare ourselves to do our part, big, small, whatever it is for us, he will come and he will use us and he will use us together. And that's what I found on Trinidad was the power of the unity together. Because that's where I felt the power flowing. Nobody had to be like a big important person. But if each person took their place, I could feel the Holy Spirit moving. I could feel his love. I could feel him in those meetings. I could feel him at VBS. Uh, even the VBS down there, they, they said before I came, they didn't even know how they were going to provide for it. And I know many of you might have seen my Facebook post and you saw the bouncy house and the food and all those things. But it wasn't because of any one person, but something happened. And she said the very last week before VBS, people started giving them some money. They started making donations. Things happened. And she said, I thought this was going to be the worst VBS we ever were going to have. And she said it turned into the very best VBS we've ever had. Amen. But that was the body of Christ working together. And so I can just encourage us, each of us, and I'm speaking to myself. I'm not just speaking to you. I just, anything I say up here, I'm talking to myself. Find your place, and God will use you powerfully. Amen? Amen. I'm sorry if I took too much time. But God bless you. That was awesome. Thank you, Julie. Amen. Hallelujah.
God is moving by his spirit all over the world. We kind of get in our islands of isolation. Sometimes we forget that there are billions of people around the world who are for the first time experiencing what true love is. And they've experienced nothing but false gods. And once they experience the living God, amen. How many know he can transform anyone, Hindu, Muslim, it doesn't, Buddhist, atheist. God can transform someone in just one moment. So, Julie, definitely not too long. Inspiring. Excellent. And next week, I'm excited to hear what Claire has to share. I love that God is using our church to affect the world. Amen? From right here. This is home base. But he uses this as home base to send us out. So, Amen. Uh, before we, I'm going to just share for a few moments as all this morning. I prepared just a short message, uh, and then we're going to have communion together. But next Sunday is a, a, also a special service. Not only will we hear from Clara, we are having a water baptism. Praise God. And I love that, to, to baptize people. And uh, also we are going to honor uh, Pastor John Freeman. Uh, I've been given the, uh, the privilege from Open Bible to recognize him and give him his 50-year of, of good and faithful service as a pastor. 50 consecutive years in good standing with Open Bible. And that's a great thing. So a lot going on next week. But just for a few moments, if you would, uh, how many will give me 10 minutes? That's 10, 20, 30, 40, 50. We got it. Somebody's going to make lunch. We'll be here for a while. James, get the barbecue going. We're <laughs> now, I just want a few moments of your time, and then uh, let's celebrate. Let's, let's end this great day by celebrating with communion together. How's that? We'll break some bread. Amen. If you have your Bibles, we're going to read some scriptures, break it down for a few moments, and I'll let you go. Jeremiah chapter 3 is where we're beginning this morning. This is a continuation from last week, although I changed the title to the title called Voices. Who are you listening to? Have you ever seen the movie Field of Dreams? Yeah, Field of Dreams, good movie. I actually got a chance to be on that field a few years back and threw some, some pictures with Drew and my dad out on that field. If you recall, in the movie, there were, there were different voices, right? There were the voices that he heard from former baseball players, but there's some voices telling him some instruction. How I many know there were some other voices in that movie as well? The neighbors, they called him crazy. They said, he lost his mind. He's plowing down his whole field. Those were negative voices. There's also the voice of the brother-in-law who said, you can't do this. You're going to go bankrupt. You're going to lose everything. There are all these different voices. And he had to decide who he was listening to. Jeremiah chapter 3, verses 14 through 15. And then we'll spend a lot of time in Galatians. And I'll, hopefully I'll give you some good meat to chew on for the day. Verse 14 Return, this is a tough one, oh, backsliding children, says the Lord. What a way to start. For I am married to you. I'm in a covenant. I will take you from one city and two from a family, and I will bring you to Zion, right? Zion is the place that they worshiped. I will bring you there. And I will give you shepherds. We talked about this last week. Shepherds are pastors, shepherds, according to my heart. What are they going to do? They have two things. They are going to what? Feed you with, say it with me, knowledge and understanding. How many today have already been filled with some knowledge? Amen. Hopefully the Holy Spirit. I know he, he spoke to you in worship and in testimony here today. Knowledge and understanding. Now go with me. Let's go to Galatians chapter 4, verse 1. Galatians 4, verse 1. Now I say... That the heir, as long as he is a child, the word right there, child, is nepios, which means um, a young son, okay? 
So an heir, as long as he's a child, a young son, does not differ at all from a slave, though technically, legally, is master of all. So he's living as a slave. He doesn't have a lot to show forth, but yet God has given him a responsibility with great things. How many know God will give sometimes us great things to be responsible over? There's a saying I heard from this this guy who, who many of you know, his name is Blaine Bowman. How many know Blaine Bowman? Good friend of ours. Blaine says, if you do a lot with a little, you'll get to do a lot with a lot. <laughs> we have to learn to be excellent in the small things. Amen? God will give us things to master over, although yet we probably, maybe you haven't seen the inheritance yet. Maybe the blessing that you're waiting for hasn't quite landed yet or matured yet, but God wants to give you responsibilities. That way, that time will come for that inheritance to mature. This is getting deep. But verse 2 is under guardians and stewards. Say that with me. Under guardians and stewards. I want you to go one screen forward. I want you to read this. This is what we said last week about inheritance. Inheritance is a prearranged blessing to be released at a specific time of maturity. Amen? Until the appointed time by the Father. Lord, bless this word from the few moments that we have. Lord, I pray that we would receive it. This is good. This is good word, Lord God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Tell your neighbor, said, I think he's got something for you today. And if you don't have a neighbor, tell yourself. Just talk to your, I'm going to give you permission to talk to yourself. Self, God's got a word for you. God's got a word for you. You know, I, I think as I'm, as I'm getting a little bit older in my life, and you're all on that same with me. You're all getting older with me, which makes me feel better. <laughs> but as I, I'm getting closer to 50, you know, I've met a lot of people who are on different scales in life. They're on a different places in life. And I find that the people that are the most joyful, the most happy, the most fulfilled, I find that they are the people that are givers. They are the most happy. People are givers. And, and I've seen a lot of people that have accumulated a lot, and they're takers, on the other hand. And I find that many times they are the most miserable people to be around. <laughs> they're takers. But there's something about givers that, that, that they flow in this, this, this freedom of happiness. And if we would just follow the words of Jesus, amen, as always, he knows the key to happiness, he knows what it means to be happy. And we understand in this scripture it says that promotion comes from above. So you cannot be promoted if you refuse to follow instruction. Let me say that again. You will not be promoted if you refuse to follow instruction. In fact, promotion can only come from someone whose instruction you're willing to follow. Okay? They're the only people that can promote you because promotion comes from above. Uh, it's just like this. Oil doesn't flow up. It flows down. And if you only surround yourself with people who, who kind of live below you spiritually, you know what they're going to do? They're going to drain the life out of you. But you need to surround yourself with some people who are kind of uh, uh, walking in a greater anointing than you. That way you can learn from them. Amen. And you can have people in your life that will speak to you, guardians and people who will watch over you and direct you and guide you. I'm thankful for people in my life that have God has put in my, in my life. 
that, that, that can give me direction. And because, because we need to know that God has people in our life that speak things into our life. Read verse 1 again. Now I say that the heir, as long as he is a child, does not differ from a slave, though he is a master of an all, an inheritance, a prearranged blessing. Let me say it as an example. Let's just say my, my dad, who's here, but he's going to like this. Let's just say my dad is a billionaire. <laughs> Hallelujah. He's a billionaire in other ways, and he's a billionaire of jokes and a billionaire of, of personality. And friend. But let's just say it was monetary. My, my dad was a, a billionaire, and, and I was an only child. That would be awesome. And, and let's just say my, well, this part's not so happy. Let's just say my, that time comes my dad passes away, and, and I am the recipient of the entire blessing. Hallelujah. Uh, I will probably have a lot more friends all of a sudden, you know. But let's just say I'm a young man and I'm still in my early 20s. And, and, and it's set up that I will not receive any of the blessing, any of the inheritance uh, till the age of 30. So I am an heir to what he has, right? I'm an heir. I, I am a master now of the entire estate. But it is possible at the age of 29 years old, I can still be homeless and begging for food. You understand? Because the Bible said right there that does not differ from a slave, though is master of all. God sometimes has a way of putting us in positions. We might feel like, God, where's the blessing? Where's the breakthrough? But listen, God's saying, I want you to show me that you are able to handle this thing that I have given you, this ministry. And he says, there will come a time, praise God, that we all will mature in the faith. Amen. God is going to break forth that inheritance of that blessing when that thing is ready to mature. I have news for this church. I believe that we've been sitting on something for a long time in this body. I believe that we are sitting on an inheritance that God is waiting for us to come to a place of spiritual maturity. Come on. That, that right now he's saying, listen, I have already given you it. I've already prepared it for you. Sometimes you might not feel like you're receiving it. But he says that day is going to come when that thing is going to mature. Come on. And we are going to walk in some things that we never, never dreamt were possible. Like people being healed. Supernatural things happening. Lies being saved. And so we got to keep saying, God, I want to be good in what you've given me so that that thing matures in time for me to receive a blessing. Amen. See, I believe in my life I was not ready for God to use me in things outside of, of local ministry. And so I had to, like, try to, try to kind of press through even though I wanted more. And then there's something that happened. God said, now I'm going to open up some doors of ministry in your life, right? And he's going to do some things. Verse 2. But is under, is under. Guardians and steward until the time appointed by the Father. You know, we, we live in a generation where many people will brag about being under nobody. Kind of wear it as a badge of honor, right? Uh, uh, I'm, I'm under nobody. You know, like maybe you hear a kid say, well, my mom won't talk to me like that. And I think, well, maybe you needed my mama because she talked to me like that. We, we, we live in a generation, they brag about not listening to anyone. Brag about not listening to those in authority. Brag about not listening to teachers or parents or instructors. Listen, there's only two ways that wisdom flows. Only two. And this is a tweetable moment. 
It flows through a mentor or it flows through experience. Amen? Let me say, at the age of 46, the way of a mentor is a much easier route and a lot much quicker route than the way of experience. You know, if you walk around with the mindset that nobody can tell you what to do, then you have relegated God to only train you through failure. Mm. I want to be in a place where God, I can say, God, I'm, I, I want to be in a place where I can listen to mentors and voices in my life, amen, who kind of lead me and guide me in my life as a believer, that, that lead me. And the question I want to ask you as we get ready to close, who is the voice of instruction in your life? Who is the voice of instruction in your life? Who are you listening to? What kind of people? You know, I'm so thankful God has put some people in my life that will ask me questions like, you know, what kind of husband are you? <laughs> I guess Heather would be the one. She gave me two thumbs up. Yes. Oh, what kind of father are you? Or what are you doing with your free time? What, I have people in my life, mentors, that will ask me this question. They'll say, Pastor, they call me Pete because these are mentors above me. And they'll say things like, are you still giving offering? Are you tithing? Are, are, you, are you in the word? Tell me what you're studying. Tell me what you're reading. Tell me what, what books in the Bible. And they'll ask me hard questions because those are the voices in my life, powerful people that I consider uh, in the faith that are my teachers. They are my instructors, and they're the voice in my Life And like Julie said, it's so great that she said this. When I'm in their presence, I offer to buy them lunch. Julie, when you said you went to Trinidad, you're like, I want to bring a gift. I want to bring something to those voices. I, I, I give them a blessing of encouragement, and I honor them. Amen? Come on, somebody. We, need it. we have a generation where we, where we feel like nobody can tell me what to do. But as believers, we can say, I want to be around some godly men and women in my life, those voices that can... Lead me away from destruction and speak into my life. Voices under guardians and stewards for an appointed time by the Father. When I was a teenager, I thought I knew it all. Did anybody else in this room kind of feel like at one point in your life you, you knew it all? Yeah, well, I, I thought, I mean, I just knew it all. Matter of fact, I, and my parents are sitting here today, but uh, there were times when I thought they weren't very smart. I'm going to pay for this one later. <laughs> but when I was a teenager, right, how I many I thought maybe I, I just knew it all. I knew more than them. And, and I, I, I know I got married in my early 20s and began raising a family. And Devin and Destiny were the first two. And, you know, I began to realize that actually they're pretty smart. You know. And by the time I was 30 and now we had four kids, I, I thought they were actually more than pretty smart. They were smart. And now in life, I think my parents were geniuses. I figured out a lot of the things they said back then are true, even though at that point in my life, I didn't think they were very smart. But they were guardians and stewards over my life. And see, if we have a mindset that nobody can tell me what to do, I, have, I, I don't listen to anyone, then, then we'll find ourselves, God will be relegated to teaching us through experience rather than teaching us through what? Voices. And we have to be a people that says, God, I want to be teachable. I'm willing to sit under somebody, amen, because the anointing flows down, right? And I don't have to be always the king of everything in life. Let me tie this all together and then read a verse. We'll have 
communion. Worship team, be ready. There was a Roman centurion, and you know the scripture, Jesus was under the time of the Romans being in power, and, and the Hebrews hated the Romans because they thought Jesus should come to be a conqueror, uh, help them to overthrow the empire. Uh, they misunderstood what he meant by when he said his kingdom. They misunderstood it because his kingdom is within you. Amen. I mean, the kingdom of God is within us, right? It's in us. Uh, don't make me even go there. I'll go crazy. I'll do a backflip off this stage. I'll preach myself into a frenzy. I mean, no, I love talking about the kingdom. Amen? We've been hearing about the kingdom all day. But Jesus, Matthew chapter 8, Jesus had healed Peter's mother-in-law. He, he healed the woman with the issue of blood. He, he raised somebody from the dead. I mean, Jesus was just going off on sickness. <laughs> He's just going off. And here's this Roman centurion who set up his post of some sort, set up his post, and he's watching this whole thing happen. He's watching Jesus and how all these miracles are taking place. And he comes to Jesus and he says, Jesus, I have somebody who's home and they're sick. And Jesus was like, just give me a moment. I promise I'll be real quick. I'm going to come to your house. We'll take care of the situation. And, and the Roman soldier was like, no, 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 we don't need to do that. You don't need to come all the way to my house, he said, because I see what's going on here. When you speak, things move. And he said, what? You know this, I am also a man, what? Under, I am also a man under authority. He said, when I speak, things also move. Not the way things move for you, but he said, when I say go, they go. When I say come, they come. He said, but I am a man under authority, therefore things move when I speak. And so he said, I'm the same as you, Jesus, but you do it different. You're on a whole different level. I just know that you just speak and things will move in my life. He understood what it meant to be under authority. How many know you only have the authority that you're under? And we must come under the authority of God in our lives. You can't use a name that you're not under. That's why there's a lot of frustrated people in the church. Because they're not fully under the name of Jesus. They're partially under the name of the world. They're under all these other things. And they're listening to voices that are not of God. So that when they pray to God, they say, I don't feel like nothing moves in my life. But when we begin to align ourselves and get under the authority of God in our life, how many know things will move? God will change things that you thought were unchangeable. And I pray, would you stand with me? And you're like, Pastor, how are we going to do communion standing up? I don't know. We'll figure it out. But we have to be submitted to the name of Jesus. We have to bring our life, the way we live, the way we talk, our language, our attitude, our all of it. We have to speak the name of Jesus. Amen. We have to come under it. Under the name. You don't have it until you come under it. You don't have it until you come under it. See, how does God define maturity? God doesn't define maturity by... You've been going to church for this amount of time. You've been saved about, about um, that amount of time. 
it says, when I was a child, I spoke as a child. I understood as a child. I thought as a child. When I became a man, I put away childish things. What is that talking about? Does that mean there's a certain age or a magic day? Or No, it means when I come to a place that I say, God, I am under your authority. And I'm also under the authority of mentors and shepherds and guardians and people in my life. I, I, I submit myself to that process. And when we begin to be in that, that mindset, God can move things in our life. Amen. One of my closest friends in ministry, Pastor Josh Grimes, he's younger than me. We grew up buddies. I mean, we were close as, as anything. But he, he's now been appointed as our regional executive director. Josh knows that I sit under him. You understand what I'm saying? I don't come to him like, hey, man, you know, we're still, like, on the same level. No, I, I'm under his authority. I'm under his anointing. You understand? Even though he's younger than me, even though he's maybe a little more brash than me, I, I say, Josh, I am under your authority, and God's going to move some things in my life. If you need God to move things out of your life or things into your life today, say, God, I want to come under that authority. And what voices are we listening to, I want to pray over you for a moment and then we'll receive communion. Heavenly Father, thank you for this day, these, these testimonies. Father, I pray that we would understand that maturity is defined by how someone thinks. How you think. Wednesday night I said that what a generation tolerates, the next generation will accept. Let me say that again. What a generation tolerates, the next generation will accept. We want to raise up a generation in the house of God that stands for righteousness, church. Guess what? We need to stand for righteousness. If we want a generation to follow in our footsteps, then we need to start living on the Word of God. We need to come under the anointing. We need to come under what God's Word says about how we live our life. Because if we tolerate it, your kids are going to accept it. If, if we tolerate living a life where we don't fast and pray and give anymore, guess what? The next generation is just going to accept that's the way it is. If we live a life that we don't serve anymore or we don't, we don't get involved in the things of God, guess what? The next generation is going to do the same. We need to set the standard. Three things. How someone thinks by understanding how you see things and how you speak. Father, would you open our eyes to know, God, that you want to move things in our life. God, you're going to bring that, that inheritance to fruition in Jesus' name. Over this house, over our families, over our jobs, over our careers, over our education, God. Father, that we would be faithful in the small things, that we would not get weary in doing it, God, that we would rejoice in it. And Father, you will bring forth that blessing, that miracle, that healing, that breakthrough that we've been waiting for, that time of maturity will come. Lord, I pray, God, if there's anyone in this house that is feeling weary, that is ready to give up, God, that we are not give-uppers, that, God, we, are, we go forward in the things of God we pursue you, Jesus. Let our lives reflect you in Jesus' name. Amen. Can I have those who are helping?